Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the End of Sales podcast. And thankfully, there's no big script to read out today, so we'll crack on with the show. I'm joined by two show regulars, Anthony and William. How are you both? Very well, mate. What about yourself, Anthony? I'm all good, mate. I think I've just about recovered for the Christmas uh, party, so I'm all good. <laughs> oh, what Where an adventure. What an adventure, what a night. Our, our pink velvet, a wee clue back to the, the build-up we gave you last time, buddy. <laughs> but we won't get into that. We've, we said about that so better, I think. Uh, just, you enjoy your cup of tea. But, I mean, there's so, much that, like, there's so much to crack on about, so we'll get stuck in. And obviously, we had a difficult trip to Dingwall last night. We recorded this on a first night, it was out on a Friday, so we're fresh off it, William. Tough game by all accounts, but as we always do, a wee brief summary and then we'll crack into that, the game itself. What did you think of it? Uh, summed up about 75% of our season where uh, all guns blazing, but just that final killer pass or that clinical finish in front of goal was lacking. But in saying that, I think that the performance and, and the, the result shows the, the difference between this team and last season that, that, that team last season would have lost or, or drew that game uh, and mm-hmm. Andrew's team found a way to win and that, that's the difference I think yeah I mean William's right that the, kind of allude to uh, Anthony that Anne's train keeps rolling doesn't it lost him <laughs> lost you Tony is he is he there <laughs> <laughs> So much has gone wrong trying to get this going. He's he's either really good at the poker face or he's just he's just gone with the wind. That's that's what's going on there. Like, but what I'll do, I will I'll take him that. out for now and see if he can get his stuff fixed. But come to yourself again, William, since Anthony has kind of dropped out. I think I actually think he's ready to go again. Hold on, hold on. Anthony, are you there? I'm here, yeah. It just came up saying that there was some internet. Connection issues, but I think they seem to be sorted now. Blooming technology. As I was saying, as I was saying, what William said, it's right to allude to the fact that the Postacoglu train keeps going, doesn't it? Absolutely, it's another tough game. You know, even all Celtic managers in in, in recent years have had trouble up at Dingwall. I mean, even the Invincibles didn't uh, take six points from six up there the year that um, that we made history. So it's a really tough game, especially when you consider this, you know, lots of games coming one after the other. They're coming thick and fast. Cup final on the horizon. And, you know, we, we're down to the bare bones, um, especially going forward at Celtic at the minute where, you know, no recognised striker or wingers are dropping like flies. So against all that and um, against, you know, an absolutely horrific second half refereeing performance, um we came through with the three points, and uh, that's it. All that matters. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And obviously, William, before the game, we all knew that the injury problems that we faced, and a bad start at the game for the middle. Many people, including myself, have wanted the same in that position. He got a goal from Liam Skills' assist, but overall, how do you think he performed? I thought he did all right up there. Um, I performed well. He's great. Like, kind of similar in the way that he likes to get in behind, uh, similar to Kyogo. Uh, so... From that sense, um, it makes sense to put him up there. Uh, I thought he did well in the game. Uh, I think we could have done better in the wings. I've always said for me, Montgomery's a left-back, never a winger. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he's got the quality to take on players and or get across in the box. Um, 
I've seen a lot of people saying Jovanovic was horrendous because he couldn't he couldn't find really? a across. I, I thought he did decent as well. I think I think I've always said that I think the guy can play anywhere in the park, and I think that's a decent position for him as well. And he he definitely can shoot for range and beat a man. And, and he, he was swinging balls in all. He might not have found a man with most, but he's he was still getting in there and trying. So as a an orthodox front three, I thought they did all right. Again, I like I. Like most games this season, I thought we created we created more than enough chances to win to score four or five goals in that game. Yeah, um, it's just not clinical enough, which is understandable with the, with the team that we put out and and like um, Tony said, we're down to the bare bones. So uh, all that matters is we got the three points. It's about time, I think, that Tony Ralston was knighted. Arise, Sir Tony, after that last minute winner. <laughs> I mean. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I know what they're trying to allude to here, William, all the stuff I've said about Ralston in the past, and he's, he's made me even worse, but we're going to actually come on to him, so he'll play a big part in this show, don't worry. But I think um, William's right, Anthony, in, in regards to not being clinical, and that's to be expected when you're kind of playing with a left-back up there, Montgomery, and I totally agree with you, William, I don't think he's a left-winger at all, to be honest. I thought that showed in the game against Bettis, he t- couldn't take on his man, transferred to Dingwall, he didn't really do it either, to be fair. Um, a batter for the middle of he, he got his goal obviously we missed Kyogo but he played decent I thought and then Juranovic further up the pitch and I think as well William I haven't really seen any kind of people saying that he was horrendous or he played bad the big issue for me is he, he's crossing balls into the box in good areas but no one's gambled and taking the runs in so yeah. it could be a, a bit of both in that type of thing but how did you think Anthony the front three performed as a collective? I thought they did okay in terms of like you say they're, they're not in their natural positions. Um, but I thought, like you say, Stephen, you, that you wanted a badder through the the middle for a wee while now. And I thought he stuck to his task very well, uh, considering, you know, he's up against big bruisers of defenders uh, at Ross County. Um, there was a, the, the commentary were, were saying that Ange was, um, you know, beside himself with rage with Juranovic's crossing. But I'm not sure if necessarily it was the, the, the actual cross itself or, as you guys alluded to, Perhaps no one taking the gamble to try to get on the end of it, um, because they were they were fantastic, you know, whipped balls in that you know a, a, any you know if, if there was a, a big centre half and you know if, if there was a Welsh or a Julian or someone like that would you know they'd love to be on the end of it. Um, so I, I wasn't I don't necessarily think the commentary was uh, was picking that up uh, properly, but yeah, I thought considering again given the circumstances we're in, I thought they all stuck to their tasks and done their jobs well. Yeah, 100% agree. I thought, to be fair, like, it wasn't a classic, William. It, it definitely wasn't a classic game. I think we did create chances to, to win that game quite easily, but again, deluded, not clinical enough. And the guy that everyone's talking about at the minute is Anthony Ralston. That, and that's, that's the God's honest truth. And he's our version of Finding Nemo, the way he jumps up. He leapt out of that early, does the <laughs> bang. You know what I mean? And the fact that everyone calls, the, calls him the bricklayer, big Ralston, Ralstadinio, people who are christening him. He, he literally. Possibly, now I might get ahead of myself here, but he possibly saved our season last night. That's a big statement. That's a massive, massive result. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. I I, I would agree. It's a massive, massive result. Uh, I don't think I can give Ralston any more praise than I have in this podcast. I was similar to you. If you go back to start the season, I was almost in tears at the thought that he was our only first, uh, he was our only right back at the club at the time. 
uh, and he's made me along with many others eat, eat our own words. Uh, like I say every week, if you had the Player of the Year award, and now he's he's right up there in the top two or three for me. He's been he's been absolutely tremendous for the club, and uh, he's got more goals than most strikers in the league this year. It's it's, it's incredible. <laughs> I think it's Higgs record five goals and five assists so far. That's fantastic. Uh, the, from a right back who was very much out of favour tonight as Bosnet for Celtic, to be honest, Anthony. And I think is what he does show, again, this is, goes back to the academy, he shows every academy player that there is hope regardless of previous form. If you get your head down, you train well, you play hard and show that dedication on the pitch, you'll get chances. But it's, again, as Postacoglu said before, he opens the door. It's up to Ralston to take that opportunity. And by God, he has, hasn't he? Absolutely. And as Wally says, he would be definitely in contention for player of the year at this point. And who would have thought that at the start of the season? Um, and we have to also take into account, not only did he score the match winner, he performed, it was a fantastic uh, goal-saving challenge as well, um, midway through the second yes. half. And he took a sword one in the sword bits. Um, I don't think he'll be needing a manscaped lawnmower anytime soon. Let's just leave it at that. But, uh, you know, the big man, what more can you say about him? Uh, He has been an absolute revelation under Ange Postacoglu. Ironically, the the match was won last night, probably the two most improved players uh, under the new manager. Uh, Tam Rogic's cross into it for, for him was absolutely exquisite. But even then, you can't underestimate just how much Ralston still got to do because it is a great ball in, but he still got it away from the keeper um, and in between the two defenders in the first place. Um, it was an absolutely tremendous goal, and uh, fit to win any game. And uh, yeah, I just I hope that he can keep this for him up because you know we we all benefit uh, as much as we. Think you know Juranovic is a fantastic player. There's no getting away from it. But the fact that Tony Ralston is making that right back uh, spot his own at the minute just speaks volumes for uh, his turnaround and fortunes. One hundred percent. I want to throw a wee bit of a wee bit of thing in here for a wee bit of debate. I think he's a wee bit off topic. Obviously, it's cup final week. Yep. William ha- Hamden Hibs three, three o'clock kick off on a Sunday night. We've seen what we think is the first choice back four in the kind of your elevates, Carter Ficker, Starfelt, and Taylor, right? Taylor's come back in at left back. He's performed reasonably well. Now, hold on before you shake your head here. Oh, you're going into the game. You. you know, you're you're going into the game, right? You're elevates Ralston for the right back spot. Who would you pick? Who would you pick? Ralston. All day? <laughs> All day. All day. Especially even it's even it's, it's an easier decision because we're lacking elsewhere. So you, you're going to have to put your hand with elsewhere. I think the bigger decision Let, would be Scales or Taylor at left back because I think Scales has been fantastic since he's came in. Yeah, yeah, he has been. And obviously, Although Taylor, the Taylor that... was superb the other night though as well. He was yeah. absolutely superb for me. So, uh, well, it's a good choice to have. To be fair. What about yourself, Anthony? I feel like Williams kind of debunked my argument already, but it's not even an argument. To be honest, it's, it's just a. No, I, 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 you, you can't argue with those. Uh, you can't argue with those street smarts, can you? Um, it would be. I fully expect Tony Ralston to start at right back on Sunday, and I think he'll start with Taylor as well, purely for the fact. I think that's why Scales was in last night. Obviously, Greg still. He's not quite at full fitness yet. He's sort of been eased back in gently, so I think they wanted him well rested for Sunday, and I think as well with Jota not being on. 
being on the left as well, you need a player like Taylor to give it that little bit more balance. I mean, you look at the game at Tanadice, yeah. even without Jota, how how balanced the left-hand uh, side of the team looked um, just for having a natural left-sided uh, left-back there. It was... Um, I just think Taylor, for all, he's, you know, he's not Roberto Carlos, but I think he, he does bring a steadiness to the and a balance to the, the team. And I think when, especially if you're going up against the likes of Martin Boyle or even potentially uh, Kevin Nisbet, if he makes it, those guys are, are very, you know, they're, they're, they make clever runs. Obviously, Boyle, we know, is uh, very pacey as well. So you need someone who's very defensively sound as well as who can start an attack. So it would be Taylor on the left for me. Uh, I think Tony Ralston, I think he's got to start if he's fit. And like you say, as Wally says as well, probably through circumstances surrounding James Forrest or anyone else, we don't know who's going to be fit. It might well be that Juranovic will be further up uh, the park yeah. uh, as well. So yeah, I'd imagine all three will probably feature um, in the pitch at some point. I think that's well, by the way, Stephen, I feel like we kind of shot you down there. Like, I think you made a fair point. I'd, like I said, if see if our front three were fit, or we even had our second front three fit because everybody's <laughs> injured, then it would have been a much harder decision than I would have had to. But the fact that I think Yoranovic is going to play much further up the park, it's a, it's, he's, he's going to play Tony Nelson. But, I mean, we, do, we don't know if uh, Apostle Caldo depends on main games around Kyogo. He could be fit. Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of with a battle grip, go back out to the right-hand side. That's what that's where I was going with, with that. And then who would start right back? Yeah, I, would, I would put a bad on the left and Yoranovic in the right. <laughs> That's fair. And then take Montgomery out then to take it. But I mean, see see, see what's in the game last night. Now, remember the, the, the training clip that came up very early on in the season, kind of the mic up session. And Postal Cogdu alluded to the fact that we don't stop basically until halftime when we rest up and then full time when we win and celebrate. Was that for you, William, last night? Kind of like the blueprint of what Postal Cogdu wants from the Celtic team? The, the way we just relentlessly pressed that game until we got that fatal goal. We kind of we pinned Ross County back most of that second half into their into their six yard box. Is that that coming to fruition? Even though it's not pretty, but it's the mark of a team a team who knows how to win. Whether that's nice attacking football or grinding a result out, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think we're um, defensively we're much more solid. Again, that's another set piece in our corner we conceded last night. But other than that, we're, I don't think there was. I was never at any point worrying about us. Uh, conceding, so it helps that we're, we're more solid then that, that we can drive forward. But I think you're exactly right, and I think the, the captain epitomises that more than anything. I, like mm-hmm. he didn't have his best game uh, against Ross County, but in, he never ever hit, hid away from the ball. He was always coming short. Give me the ball, I'll pass it. Even when he was giving it away, and when he does give it away, he's chasing the man back forty yards to win it back, and he's the driving force behind the whole team for me. Uh, like I said. He, he didn't have the best game, but he he was the one that grabbed the by the scruff of the neck, and was it was as if he was he was the one forcing everybody. Come on, let's get forward. There was a few players that were a bit off, but even even the likes of Turnbull and stuff, and Turnbull still having the pot shot for outside the box, which which I love to see. We're not always going to walk in the net. We need to, we need to need some variation. Um, I thought the pressing was great last night, and uh, yeah. To be fair, like the team, we, the, the, the first eleven we put out last night, you're like, this is going to be a tough watch. But they, they played some wonderful football. Still, honestly, could have scored, could have scored so much, so many more goals. Uh, it's so pleasing to see the football we're playing is just excellent. Going forward, just yeah. super to see. 
I, th- I think as well, you made a great point at the, at the start of the show when you when you were surmising the game, um, William, in terms of last season, we would have kind of either finished that game in a draw or lost it all together. And that brings me on to you, Anthony, in regards to what Posta colleagues brought to the team. And again, not to kind of disrespect any regime's previous or prior to him coming in, but it's it's a marked difference because we've seen last season, we can see the goals, it was heads down. It was just like that. And the game was kind of up in the air. He didn't know what way he was going to finish. Draws or teams getting goals the last literally minutes against us. They lose games or draw final games. But what's in the game last night, it just showed me, in my opinion, that this team's fully bought into the way Postacoldi wants to play. Even the reserves coming up, Owen Moffat coming off the bench, the way he played, just that football, it was fantastic to see. Not pretty all the time, but as William said, the pressing was effective. We're getting the great positions and we could have scored many more goals if it took the opportunities. Yeah, and possibly, you know, our more recognised um, offensive players would, would have, uh, you know, put them away. But it's just such as life. Uh, we needed our world-class right back to, to save us yesterday. But I think it's, uh, yeah, you're absolutely spot on, Stephen. He's, um, whatever he's trying to message he's getting across on the training pitch is absolutely um, getting through to the players. You, you see that? And I know this is going to sound perhaps a bit, a bit sort of, you know, off, off field a bit, but I think it's even just the way the players celebrate a goal. You, you even see mm-hmm. that the Manchester United team of the 90s and the, the 2008 team were always uh, notorious for that as well. The minute they scored the goal, everyone would go over to celebrate. It was all like all that in it together sort of thing. Um, we've had it with, with some squads, but there definitely was a point, especially last season, we, we pointed it out, I actually think, on a couple of shows when a player would score and you know, only one or two would go over and, you know, congratulate them. This just seems to be a, a total team effort right now. Everyone's pulling in the same direction. And when you get, like I say, a win's a win, but there are some wins that, that feel a little bit more season-defining yeah. than others. And last night, I don't know about you guys, I know it's maybe because it was last minute or whatever, but last night felt different. Last night felt as if, like you say, this this time last year, that would have been another two drop points, or we may even have lost the game. But we, despite everything flung at us, we found a way to get the three points. And that's a good habit to have. And I hope it continues uh, for a long, long time to come. Well, I'll tell you one thing about last night. Watch it with Magranda, who's 78. He won't make me say that, by the way. And the last minute ago, he managed to bounce up off his seat and we celebrated and hugged <laughs> each other because it was absolutely fantastic, William. And I, I, as much as people say you're celebrating the last minute victory against Ross County, it's from the shite that was seen previously that that wouldn't have happened. And now we're coming into this season with fresh fresh views, optimistic. We can look forward to the future and see what's actually going on in the pitch. We can see a, a plan, a style of play. And come to yourself, as Anthony said, it was special. Did you celebrate? Were you shouting? Were you roaring at the TV? Uh, you know, I did. I told you before they came on. The wife wasn't happy this morning because the whole house was in the bed. It was in bed and I just went nuts as usual, obviously. The dog was up doing the samba dance for me and all sorts, man. We were going mental party time. I think it's more... If we won that game 4-0, we wouldn't have got as much a boost as what we, we did with that last-minute winner. I think it's a massive turning point in the season. And... Um, because you're sitting last night with a couple of minutes to go thinking, oh, Jesus. And the team across the across the water are winning comfortably and you're thinking more mm-hmm. more points dropped. And it's this, not a carbon copy of last season, but the further you fall behind, the harder it is. And it's just, it's massive. I can't I can't describe how big it is in our season. Like you said, it could be 
big hole that saved our season. It's that big, I think. And I know it sounds silly because it's Ross County who are, without, without any disrespect, they're, lower, they're always in the lower half of the league and they're not... It doesn't matter. Um, it's massive. And what a goal. He was up there like... See when you see the Attenborough documentaries and there's like a great white jumping at the water, like... <laughs> what a player. What a player. It was a fantastic well, we'll put league. It this way, Willie. I... I, th- I think to, s- to sum it up perfectly, right, you had Stephen Cragen absolutely spewing on Ross yes. County TV. We had Tom English <laughs> and Jane Lewis on BBC Sports Sound calling for inquiries from the Football Association's inter uh, fans celebrating. We had Daily Mail uh, and other mainstream media outlets putting their match reports up before the game had finished that we'd fallen further behind. Yeah. And... Let's just say, when all of that happens in the one moment, I think it's safe to say we done something right last night. Mm-hmm. Big Ralston. That's f- unbelievable. Fantastic. And there's one thing I wanted to come, obviously, the game. Starfield got sent off. And I'll come to yourself, Anthony, for this first. You alluded to the fact that it was a, kind of a, a niffy, again, second-half performance of a referee in Scotland. I mean, we don't see many of that. I mean, they're all, they're all world-class, aren't they? But you, 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 look, you look at it, right? I didn't even know Starfield was booked. From the TV coverage I was watching, I didn't even know he was booked, and the next minute he was getting sent off. Apparently, it was to do with the whole elbow to the face, which again wasn't caught. This, it was bleeding, busted nose. Of course, he's going to be angry and irate that no one's seen it and no one challenged the player who'd done it. But what was your taking up? Because for me, looking back on all the events, there's people saying he should get get up and get on with the game because it's a hustle and bustle of Scottish football. But then again, it was a hand injury. He was down on the ground. The play didn't get stopped. You're going to be angry, aren't you? Yeah, I think Carol's uh, quickly realising uh, what it's like when you become a, a Celtic player that even if you get a burst nose, that somehow makes you eligible to be cautioned. Um, now, listen, I, I don't think that it was necessarily, it certainly wasn't um, intentional or a- anything like that from the from the player when you see the, the replay. So I'm not saying that he's somehow escaped punishment or anything like that. But Ross has alluded to this um, a couple of times when we've been discussing referees on here, and it just seems... These guys in the middle officiating these these matches don't actually have a clue how how the game works. They don't understand it. Um, I think we you used the term uh, a couple of weeks ago that they're amateurs refereeing a professional game. Yeah. Now, I'm again. I'm not saying it was necessarily even a foul to Celtic or anything like that. But it was. It, there was clearly Carol Starfield has came off bloodied after going up for a challenge. And I don't know about you, but any time I get a burst nose which was quite a lot back in my younger rebel singing days, you know, you, you do get a bit pissed off. You, you are entitled to be less than enthusiastic about it. So all it would have taken was that for the referee, and, and so he's obviously, you know, he's, he's, he's irate. All it would have taken would have been a... But that's the worst thing about common sense, though, isn't it? You realise it's, it's not actually that common. A bit of common sense to say, right, the guy's, he's took a sword one, a, a wee stern talking to, and we move on. And that's yeah. it. But no, it, the, the referee needlessly books him. And then, as far as I'm concerned, I'll be charitable and say the second yellow card is a foul at best. At absolute best. Put it this way, there is absolutely no danger that Connor Goldson would receive a second yellow for a, for a challenge like that. <laughs> um, it was an absolutely ridiculous decision. And to... To the surprise of absolutely nobody, um, people in sports scene were claiming that um, the referee got it spot on. It was two 
absolutely ridiculous decisions. And then, of course, finished off with um, denying us yet another stonewall penalty um, just before we managed to, to get the, 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 the winning goal. So, yep, I think I summed it up on the forum last night that it was the worst refereeing performance I've seen since last Sunday. <laughs> That's a, a long window you give yourself there, Anthony. But, I mean, come to yourself, when, when I think he's, Anthony, as always, sums everything up perfectly in terms of the way he describes it. But one thing I noticed from the whole kind of scenario, especially the first yellow card, which, again, I'll say, didn't he know he was booked because didn't he come up on the screen. But Joe Hart <laughs> is quickly realising Celtic players get booked and he was up and I'm saying calm down, calm down. He gave him a wee kick on the ground as well. And for me, that was brilliant to see because he, he knows, as Anthony said, how quickly it is to get a booking when you're in that shirt. And even the red card, the, the red card itself, William, the, the performance last week was a shambles and this just adds again to the whole, the whole thing that we're saying about referees in Scottish football, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, the regular listeners of the regular subscribers will know that I'm not really a ref basher. Um, I, uh, I'm not one to be like, oh, it's, it's for evidence against us and, and, and the rest of it. But what Tony says, bang on with like, the guy's been that guy's been elbowed in the mouth. He's going to be irate. I think like I can understand you get booked for dissent, but come on, common sense, like you say. And it's not. This isn't green and white specs on and all the rest of it. It's happening throughout the whole league. There's like what was it a weeks ago where the Motherwell player, the, the fan, pretty much went to Aberdeen, 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 and he got booked for it. And you're like, yeah. what? So it's, it's it's throughout the whole league. So it's not we're not sitting looking at this and saying it's like refs against Celtic and, and whatnot. It's the, the the level of the referees is just it's it's not great. It's not good enough. I mean, I, I'm I can understand human error, but some of these some of the decisions are just baffling. And that that stuff felt first yellow last night was beyond me. And for me as well, Tony's bang on it before the goal. It was a fucking stonewall penalty as well. Yeah, straight towards goal, and the boys put his hands. That's not a natural position, um, and that wasn't even looked at. I don't even think there was a replay in the game when I was watching it. It's just it's ridiculous. And Wally, we're going to get Stephen. Can any hear? Can any hear that noise? That's the sound of John glassing himself as we I was speak. just about to say. I was actually just about to say. <laughs> you don't really hear me talk much about the referees because John's usually ranting for two hours in the pod, and nobody else can get a word on edgeways. So, incoming Twitter status tomorrow morning when the podcast goes up. Yeah. No, but I, I mean, again, another another issue that came from the game, and after you alluded to it was the fan celebration. Now, before we obviously get into the the, the, the aspects of what it could mean, what for Celtic going forward in terms of fines or punishment. For me, Anthony, it was just pure... Uh, it was pure passion. It was just the relief of winning the game. And it's something in football that should not be took out of the game. And I've seen a perfectly good comment from a, another Celtic fan on Twitter when I was going through Twitter today, reading, obviously reading statuses and stuff. And he alluded to the fact that some fans needed to actually get out of that area at the front of the, at the, front of the stands for their own safety as well because of the celebrations. So you have to look at it from both angles. And then you get other teams, the likes of Fair Hill, we've seen celebrations when a certain team scored in the last minute. We've seen in Pataudry, McDermott Park, people get onto the pitch. But why do you think we're pigeonholed all the time with investigations? And I know I know fine readily what you're alluding to, the fact that 
on BBC Sports Sound. I think it was that we're calling for investigations straight after the game, and it's like, what? It, it's madness, Stephen. And listen, of course, we we you do we we of course do sign up to the the sort of statement that we should we, you know fans should be in the stands, players should be on the pitch, etc. Yeah, right? Of course, we, 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 we I think we're, we're I think we're all agreed on that. I think most fans are. But I think you have to. You also have to take into account the the actual setup at Dingwall as well. You are literally, it, it's like a step between the pitch and then the um and, and into the terracing. It's it's so compact and tight. I don't necessarily think it would happen at a, you know it wouldn't happen at Hamden or some somewhere like that where you could get that amount of people uh, to you know jump over the barricade to to celebrate and. The players wouldn't go that full distance anyway. But I remember last a couple of years ago, actually, when, um, funnily enough, when Mikey Johnson came back from his latest injury and um, he scored the, a one-in goal for us up at Dingwall. But he was he was running on to a through ball and took it first time and put it in the bottom corner. But his momentum, of he was running so fast that his momentum actually carried him onto the sponsor board. And obviously, naturally, a few of the supporters at the front um obviously cuddled him and, and hugged him and he got a yellow card for it and again <sighs> lack of common sense what, what he was trying to explain to the ref he went I couldn't stop he went if I'd have stopped I'd have snapped my tendon again you know it, it, your, your body can't physically stop as quickly as that um, but listen it's listen the, the laptop loyal and all of their friends are absolutely spewing at that result last night and anything that can you know try and take away or create a negative Celtic headline um, they're going to sign up for it. Yes, of course we, we you know, you want to make sure everybody's safe, etc. But listen, I was at the Manchester Derby a couple of weeks ago. Um, fantastic day out. Don't get me wrong. Um, uh, you know, it's Old Trafford's an absolute. It is, you know, it's an amphitheater. But in terms of a derby atmosphere or, or you know, that kind of that raw passion, it was very sadly missing. Um, it's one of Scottish football selling points for me. The the kind of proper. You know, full-blooded passion. Yeah, you know, if if you want to have you know people politely applauding and taking selfies uh, with opposing players, go down south. If you're wanting proper tribalism and passion and celebrating, Scottish football's your game. And um, Celtic for me have absolutely no case to answer for uh, the scenes for last night. And I will say as well, William, we're, we're kind of getting used to it at home with the silent protest, but it was fantastic to hear that the backing from the first minute to the final whistle and the goal being scored, the passion, the adulation of the fans getting embraced by supporters, the connection between Anne's and the fans. You've seen it in full flight last night. And as Anthony said, yes, we all subscribe to the fact that fans just stay on sites, be safe, use common sense. But sometimes, just sometimes, passion takes over. And we've seen it with different clubs within certain leagues and you go to foreign leagues you see pitch, pitch, pitch invasions it was about 30 fans going to pitch and they were quickly ushered off it wasn't anything mad but you see it in the SPFL with other teams and I alluded to the fact Fairhill last minute goes we know what team I'm talking about Pataudry, McDermott Park the same things and they didn't have no case to answer for and one thing I did see I don't know if you've seen it the, the commentator David Tanner you, you oh, heard of him yet right. Uh, yeah, he yeah. he he put he put up on his uh, a thing. What was it? Investigation needed or a, a behavior uh, audit? Yeah. And then, he, and then he, he wants so, a behavioral audit. And um, you know, um, this is a guy who defended the the actions of George Square in yes. March. So, yep, the only guy that Sky Sports deemed less credible than uh, Chris <laughs> Boyd. So, yeah. 
But over, overall, overall, William, <laughs> overall, William, after that fantastic burn by Anthony, how do you feel about this situation? Oh, it's ridiculous, man. I guarantee you 90, 99% of the people on the pitch didn't even realise they were on the pitch until they were on it. It's just passion takes over and mm-hmm. it's, you don't think, I'm going to jump on this pitch now. You're celebrating and all of a sudden you're like, oh, shit, better get back to my seat. It's absolute, it's just a farce. I mean, there's just people out there in the world and everyday life that are not happy unless they're complaining about something. And most of them are in the media, unfortunately. Yeah. And most of them are looking to have a slide dig at us. I mean, they'd win the lottery and complain about the tax. Shut up, man. <laughs> Scored the last minute. Win what you want today. Sit and, sit and eat prawn sandwiches and just... Like we're at Wimbledon. Fuck off. Yeah. Where's my strawberries over I'm surprised. <laughs> the, the whole, every fan didn't jump on. Absolute nonsense. Yeah. And that's why, honestly, see a lot of the time, you just, you just know me, I'm, I, I've I seen a couple of things on like Twitter and stuff like that and I just came off it because I just get angry. I just get annoyed. Just get wound up. I'm just yeah. like, why? why yeah. who, shut up, man. So I just I just stay away from it all. Just like, and says it best afterwards when he was talking about it and he said it's passion and he he, he uh, touched on what you were saying, Stephen, about how the fans are, are, are starting to get this relationship with this team and we are. Like, I'm like, I didn't, I've never ever felt falling out of love with Celtic but it was, was really tough last year and this yeah. year I am, I've absolutely loved every minute and that's including defeats and all sorts because the man at the helm has just brought a pride and passion back to this club and it's, uh, it's, I feel I felt like a new man since he's came in, um, and see every time he said, like even they asked him about the refereeing performance, and he said something along the lines of, "Yes, a lot of decisions didn't go our way, but we don't worry about that. We just get back up and win." And I was like, oh, "Just, just winch me, yeah. Ange. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> just stay forever. Give him, just give him like a twenty-year contract, and just he's just an absolute messiah." Yeah, I agree, and it's very much, very much along the lines of the the, the song that we started at the the party we attended. I, you know, the you know, best like, thing is as well now. We absolutely. Were, I, well, I don't know about you. Months and months ago, I was I was the biggest Eddie Howe fan. Wanted this guy in more than anybody, and I was devastated. I'm not like I, no qualms about it. I was absolutely devastated when we didn't get a man. And now looking back, I'm like, this, this This is like one of the greatest things that's ever happened to our club. That, that It was worth going through all that turmoil just to get to where we are now. Because look at him. Yeah. <laughs> he's not doing a very good job now, is he? And he's not, <laughs> I don't think he's much better off than he would be with us. And we've got, like, I honestly think this man's going to be up there with the Rodgers and O'Neill's if he, if he stays long enough. And the football we're playing is some of the best football I've seen since ever and um, mm-hmm. it's just an absolute saving grace we've got him the Messiah I think it's I, I, I think the major <laughs> I think that... when everybody calls him the Messiah he heard it here first <laughs> and you, you obviously you, you also sell pasta cognitive pillows on the side so. no no just one <laughs> I've just got one for myself. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the major difference between both managers, the one we got past the and the one we didn't get, one's took a job that he knows he's going to be sacked in in two years. So there you go. Major Money difference talks. there for me. Money talks. Indeed it does. I can just, just take another three year off of my family because I've got millions in the bank. 
<laughs> but, gentlemen, it's a final week for Celtic Football Club. It's cup final week, Anthony. We're heading in to the chance to win Indeed. our first bit of silverware under Anne's Postacoglu against Hibs, who, by the way, strangely sacked Jack Ross, obviously linked with Sean Maloney, but they're in a bit of turmoil themselves. I'm kind of suffering from a bit of PMS already, a bit of pre-match stress. It's just playing in my mind. It's going over and thinking, thinking about different outcomes and different ways it can go. And you obviously have to weigh all this up, Anthony. But final result last night in Dingwall, looking ahead to the weekend, what's the feeling? I'm certainly feeling a lot better at 96 minutes than what I did at 95, uh, I must admit. But yeah, you're absolutely bang on, Stephen. It's cup final week. You know, it's one of these showpiece occasions in, in Scottish football. And I think it's incredible, uh, considering where we were in the summer, that Ange has got us to a position where we potentially, could potentially lift our first salt bit of silverware under him. Um, there are pros and cons. I've read both arguments regarding the, um, the reintroduction of the, the League Cup being played out and in, uh, in the final uh, being held before Christmas, um, you know a lot. Of, some of the guys uh, that was it's always its traditional uh, time uh, way back when it started, and then sort of the late nineties up until two thousand and sixteen, uh, they sort of jigged it about and made it. You know the final wasn't played until usually round about St Patrick's weekend in March. Um, so there's pros and cons to it, and I can understand both sides. But personally. I, I like that it's not the League Cup's a strange tournament because there's obviously no sort of not that we really have to worry about winning cups to to cement European qualification or, or anything like that. But the League Cups, you know, it's fifty years younger than the the Scottish Cup, so it does lack that sort of you know mystique and prestige uh, that the Scottish Cup does. But by the same point, it's one of the three major trophies that Celtic realistically can can challenge for every year. Um, and believe me, I've uh, I've been on the terrace in at Hamden when we've won uh, League Cup finals and I've been on it when we've lost them as well. And they're not nice feelings to lose, uh, trust me. Um, anyone that deems it a Mickey Mouse competition, uh, just try being, being behind the goals when you're, you're losing uh, a final at Hamden, which I hope won't be the case on Sunday. But no, I, I, enough what I like about it as well, being at this time of year is I think Brendan Rodgers touched on it in 2016 and, and Vim Janssen did way back in 97 as well when it was um, still held uh, before Christmas as well. That Should we be successful on Sunday? It, it gives the players that little more evidence um, to believe in what Andrew's trying to say. It gives them something tangible to show for the work that they've done from the summer uh, till now. And hopefully it would then give them a shot in the arm to get them through to... You know the, the you know the winter break, and then to continue on to the rest of the season. Uh, this is a team that's largely used to winning things. There's a lot of the the quadruple teams still about, or certainly a lot of the mainstays. But uh, Callum, of course, being the, the most important one. But this, there is a lot of new players as well. Um, so there's that hunger there as well. You you see it in the eyes of guys like Joe Hart. You know, serial winners. They, they, he'll be desperate to add to his medal collection on Sunday, I'm absolutely sure. And But as well, we've got a lot of youngsters in the team. They'll be wanting their first honour as well. Um, so I think it's a, it'll be a, a great occasion. My only my only um, gripe about it is the fact that, again, we'll go back to you know the, 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 the lack of level coverage from the media. Uh, Celtic and Hibs were both... Ma- 
Bertie is a player, obviously, for Celtic, and he was a manager of Hibs. Um, I remember back in 2005 when Rangers uh, played Motherwell in the League Cup final, and there was a big campaign from the media, uh, which the SFA, SFL sorry, ended up agreeing to, and they re- renamed it and dubbed it the Davy Cooper final. There was, you know, images of Davy all on the match tickets and the programme, etc., which is perfectly natural. No sane human could argue against that. He's a legend at both clubs, and yet there is a distinct lack. There's been a lack of that from the media this time. This final should be being dubbed the Bertie Old uh, League Cup final. Um, but I'm sure, I'm sure this is a final we would have wanted. You know, both teams in green gave the the teams in blue uh, two football and lessons on semi final weekend. Uh, so a full house of green uh, week before Christmas. I'm sure uh, the great man would have approved, and I'm sure he'll be watching it somewhere. And uh, hopefully we can do it for him, and Ange can get his first bit of silverware uh, as Celtic manager. I mean, as Bernie Old used to say as well, Hamden's like Celtic's training ground, William. They're used to playing there so often and winning <laughs> trophies and do you know what I mean? And, and another thing is as well, Celtic have already lifted silverware. The women's team, Fran Alonso's team's brought home a bit of silverware at Celtic Park. And now the men's team have their chance to do it. And hopefully more in the future in terms of the, the other trophies up for grabs. But as Anthony I mean, he described my feelings perfectly well looking into the final in terms of the in the build up. I, I don't know what it is. I can't concentrate knowing this is coming. It's it's weird. My brain goes all these different angles and different approaches to things. But get into get into the game after that fatal win and the bounce that last minute go would it give Celtic weak squad or not? It's looking up, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it helps that Hibs aren't on the best run of form themselves. Um, it'll be interesting to see what team he's got available to him. Uh, it's cup final weekend. I'm, I'm as excited as anybody. I think that was a great point that Tony has made about Bertie from Dresty. So I think uh, I think that would be a touching. Um, it would be very touching if it did something like that. It makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, super excited. He's only been in the door a few months. He's turned. He's had the turnover of a pretty much a full squad. He's down to the bare bones of that, which was it was thin enough before. And we're even thinner now, and he's still got a stack up final, playing wonderful football the Celtic way. Um, I'll never take a smile off my face when we're doing that. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm buzzing. And you say bare bones, but that's something that Tom English doesn't seem to grasp, going by his kind of tweets and stuff, which again is just why I do it. But I mean, obviously, Anthony, the only downside could be up when you allude to the time the game is played, the time of year is we could potentially go behind in the league. So we'd be seven points behind. A game, obviously game in hand, but we'll have to win that. Do you think that will play on the players' minds going into, again, another chase in the league, a bigger chase than it was from four points? I've got a sneaky feeling we won't be seven points behind come Sunday. <laughs> Heard it here first. <laughs> but I, I totally take your point, Stephen, yeah. yeah I, I mean, it, it is one of those things. Um, obviously, when you are in the position of first, you, you always say, you know, you want the points on the board and you, you, it's totally understandable um, from a psychological point of view. But um, I think provided we just keep doing what we're doing and win our games, and then obviously it all comes down to that massive match before the winter break, um, hopefully we'll, we'll be in a good position for that. But yeah, I take your point, but I don't know. I just, uh, I don't think we'll be seven behind. 
Oh, very confident, very confident. But well, the, the point that we, the point that was trying to allude to the fact is we've seen last season, right? We started falling games behind, games in hand, games in hand. Things like three or four at one point, and then the gap became so big it does. I think it weighed down the players enough for that. And obviously, we're right to allude to the fact that Postecoglou is driving this different mentality in. But it's it's always a worry that sometimes a mindset can creep back up. You win the trophy, yes, that's a, a big boost. But then you're going in the next week to a league game seven points behind, and sometimes. It could play. Do you not think so mentally on the players? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Are you, do you mean before the cup final? They're, they're, they're thinking about that. No, or like afterwards? obviously the, the adrenaline winning the cup final, but then settling back down yeah. into the, the games no, in the I league. I understand what you're saying. No, totally. I, I'm, you're always wanting points on the board rather than the games in hand. Um, so, yeah, no, I totally understand what you're saying, but I don't think the mentality, and I don't think Andrew would allow it to happen. To be honest with you, I think he, he makes. The players feel like they're ten foot tall, um, and like you seen last night, they're, they're never say die. It's not. I don't think that. I don't think this team's got that mentality at all. I don't think they've got that sort of mindset that would let creep in and any sort of negativity. I think they go into every game thinking they can beat any team, and uh, I think you touched on it earlier. Where as the, the team from maybe last year or so, when it, when we can see the goal, the heads go down just. Totally different team this year, and it's the it's mm-hmm. the polar opposite. I think we've seen that in Europe this year. There's been a few times we went back, we've went a goal down, and you think, oh, here we go. And we, twenty minutes later, we're two one up. The mentality is totally different. But there's there's no way we'd, we'd, there would be even one negative thought. We're far better than any team in the league. So why would you think you're going to be around? We're far better. And even when we, we, get, we get we get more additions in January as well. We are look at the team that we put out last night. And we're only four points behind. And they've got, Rangers have got three players for every position. And they're only four points ahead of us. No way. More signings in January, injuries back, and we're going to stroll it. Absolutely stroll it. Not only has Postacoglu turned around Celtic, but he's turned around the mentality of this podcast. And I tell you what, I love it. The positivity <laughs> flowing, flowing through so each good. of us. Oh. Including myself, is it's unbelievable. But there, obviously, there was another big controversy within this kind of cup final, and that was the ticket scenario. We haven't really touched upon it, so it was probably the best time to do it now, Anthony. And it, the whole 50 50 split. Now, from what I can see through different channels, is that Hibs are, are struggling to sell out the kind of stake they already have, and they were wanting a 50 50 split. And what bugs me the most is when you see these uh, games on TV, regardless if it's 50 50 or 70 30, whatever it could be. There's always empty seats from the other opposing fans. And for me, that doesn't look good. I think if Celtic are going to sell it out, what, 90 10, I don't care. As long as it's a filled stadium, there should be no empty seats in the cup final. Absolutely. And if you log on to Hamden at the moment, you can still get tickets in the Hibs end. Listen, I don't, I'm not wanting to, to, to pick a fight with Hibs because I think, um, you know, we're, we're all, you know, they're, they're a team that are, in terms of, you know, the outlay of Scotland and the way the population goes, they're probably our, our sort of closest ally, and we've all got uh, good hippie friends. But this ticketing fiasco is like it's an absolute farce. Um, Hibs took 11,000 fans to the semi final, and of course, those fans should be rewarded with, with a ticket for the final. But to ask for 17, I think they were given, I think, 17,000, and then they were demanding. 19,000 so they've got us 19,000 and they can't sell it out now if you're going to be the give it 
you know, big licks about we want more tickets, you better be sure that you can sell these uh, sell it out. But the problem is, and it's not just a Hibs thing, I, I, I take it with all of the provincial uh, clubs as well, because I've been at cup finals with Aberdeen, who, yeah, big travel and support, and I appreciate it. it's a big travel uh, for a lot of them. Uh, it's, you know, the length and breadth of the country. But when you walk into Hampden Park and you see dozens of empty seats, you're just like, <coughs> we're just out of a, well, we're, we're not out of a pandemic, we're still in the pandemic, and that's income for associations and, and clubs uh, and you just think well how good must your finances be if you're able to just shut off massive parts of your stadium i was i didn't get a ticket for the semi-final through my through my usual channel it was just through the, the good nature of uh, a, a friend of mine and um, gave myself and my wee boy a couple of tickets for the st johnson game and because the general sale had sold out when i was when i was away so i for that whole week didn't think i was going to get a ticket as I said, through circumstances, managed to get a couple. And when I walked out, the, there was about, I would say, a good seven, 8,000 empty seats over on the St. Johnston side. Not, not the fault of the St. Johnston fans, but it was the way it had be, they, they had been logistically set up. Now, this is meant to be a national stadium, and it's the show key, showpiece occasion. I, I, I don't know how many times we have to have this debate. If you can sell out half the ground... It's not actually fair. I was going to say fair enough. It's not actually fair on the 50-odd thousand season ticket holders that Celtic have, um, which was, a, I think, a large part of Hibbs' argument that our season ticket holders are going to lose out. Well, no, you're not. You've got about 15,000 season ticket holders. Every single season ticket holder at Hibbs is guaranteed a ticket for the game, and it seems like their wife and their dog are, uh, are going to be able to come along and enjoy the match day as well. Um, and... Again, this is not the first time it's happened with Hibs. There was a League Cup semi-final um, a few years ago where they made, gave it big licks about we want we want half and half, and then they all came dressed as saltires. It, it seemed behind the goals. Um, I, I just there were swathes upon swathes of empty seats. I, I, maybe it's just me. I like seeing the national stadium full on Cup final yes. day. Now, if that means Celtic getting a few more tickets than the other teams, then I'm sorry, but. That's the game, and it'll really great on me because I don't have a ticket for Sunday unless by some minor miracle I end up getting one the next few days. Um, if anyone that's listening has a spare one, you know, just get in, get in touch with us at the usual address. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just on the rolling bar there. Um, but, you know, I just know the minute that the Premier Sports cameras zone out and take in the full, the full stadium, you're going to see blocks um, probably in the, especially in the, the upper tier of empty seats and you just think well you can't have been that badly affected by the pandemic guys if you're able to have empty seats at a showpiece final um, mm -hmm. rather than having money through the coffers and bums on seats like I say I wasn't wanting to pick a fight and then I kind of went on a bit of a rant there, <laughs> didn't I? But, but for, for uh, all our hippie friends that do join that, that, that we've got a lot of hippie friends we, me and Wally do anyway that join uh, listen to us so we do still love you honestly <laughs> but i think it, i think it's a right to point out william that the fact that it's a showpiece final cup final first one of the season and tv cameras there and we always try and promote the scottish game for all clubs i mean we all think it's a, a great game and it should be a, a, a fantastic advert for scottish football and for me seeing empty seats I, I just don't think it's right and i think anthony's right to point out if it means Celtic get a bigger share to sell out the arena then so be it surely yeah, I see your point. I mean, for me, like, 
they're, they're there on merit, as, as are we, and we are not, like, you know what I mean? For me, I, I, if they can fill it, it should be a 50-50. So I'd, I've got no qualms about that. But when it gets to this point now where it's not full, that I think that's where you need to start, you know, switching it up a bit. Like I say, mm-hmm. no qualms about them. If they if, if they can fill it, then like they're, they're on merit just as much as we are. They deserve to have half the stadium mm-hmm. full. But... This, I would have, I would have had some some sort of thing in place where the, the tickets that they are selling are in one section, so that does when it does get to this point and there's X amount not sold, that's when we go right. You've had your allocation now. Let's let's offer it out to the Celtic to the Celtic season ticket holders. Yep. It, it makes sense. Uh, you don't want to see, like you said, you want to see bums and seats. Uh, it's not a Diddy Cup. None of the trophies are. It's a, it's a league cup. It's a, it's a massive trophy. You want to see two teams go at it, and you want to see a magic atmosphere uh, with bums and seats. So, yeah, only makes sense to me doing it that way. Yeah, I think we, we kind of all echo that. But look, we'll move on to the part of the show where we kind of get wrong most weeks, but we were close with the score predictions at Dingwall. So we were we were on the right tracks, Anthony. I'll come to yourself first. Score and lineup prediction, if you may. Uh, so yeah, I think the cup final team will be obviously Joe Hart and goals. I think it'll be Tony Ralston right back. I was giving away a wee bit of my, uh, giving it away a little bit earlier on. So I would have Ralston right back, Taylor on the left, and uh, Carter Vickers and Starfelt um, in the mid and centre half. I think you're going to have to go uh, with Abada. Um, probably through the middle if Kyogo's not going to be fit, which then means you're going to have to have Juranovic um, on the right. Going to have to come up with, well, we don't we don't know the, the injury to Mikey Johnston, if he's going to be able to be available on the left or if, if Forrest is going to be fit to be available on the left. Uh, and then I would have Turnbull, uh, Rogic, McGregor uh, in the middle. And... I think I'll say there's always there's always a history, a lot of goals in Celtic Hibs finals. They're normally traditionally quite high scoring affairs. So I'm going to say 3 0 Celtic. 3 0 Celtic. I like that one. What about yourself, William? It's difficult one to predict a lineup because you don't know. We don't have a clue who's uh, who's going to be available. Well, can, I, can, I just, can, can I just say before you carry on, I nearly predicted the full lineup against Ross County. Called the Iranovic one, right? I'll take that one all day. Well, nearly is nearly. <laughs> I'd be a bomb star, but it's not happening, is it? <laughs> oh god! Uh, I, see, if it's the if it's the only players available that were available against Ross County, it's it's going to be a tough decision. I'm glad I'm not making a decision on who's in the first eleven. I think that I would. I wouldn't start Montgomery. I would have to try and shoehorn Turnbull or Rogic in an inside left position or something because Ooh. I think I think Beaton would be hard done by if he's getting left out. I think he's been magic for us the past two or three months. Um, so I, I would I would go with the same team as Tony, but I, I, obviously if Johnston or um, Forrest are fit, they're, they're going on the left. Um, but if it doesn't, I think that's the only problem. I think the rest of the squad, I, I think it can pretty much... Unless he's wanting to go with Beaton, um, he's got to play Rogic. I, I, I couldn't believe we didn't start him uh, against Ross County. Yeah. And he, he was a difference coming on again, as usual. 
Um, so I would, if it was that, if it was the same sort of lineup, I would have to try and shoehorn one of them in somewhere. And like I say, Beaton, I think, I think it'd be a bit of a shame if he missed out. But I mean, how are you going to shoot? Do you like? You can't play Carl Mark out in the left because you're going to miss him in the middle of the park. So it's one of them. It's like, I'm glad it's a decision I'm not needing to make anyway. But I'm pretty sure Andrew will come up with the right, the right formula. Score predicts? Does he get one? Nah. I think it'll be tight. I think we'll, I think we'll, 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 we'll control the game as usual. But it's just that clinical yeah. finish in, in, in the end. By the way, Giacomacus, I think, would flourish in this team. See the amount of balls we get in the box and the amount of times we get it wide. And like You've got a thing for him. I know, I just think he's... I th- by the way, I still like a, jet, a Yeti as well. I, I, I know you do. Ranting for him to yeah. get it. I think he would score barrel loads of goals as well. And this team, I just think somebody that's like a penalty box striker would score hundreds of goals, barrels of goals. With the, with the way, the amount of balls we get in the box, we get it out wide quick and we get balls in the box. I just think somebody that just stands in the six-yard box, Pierre Van Hoydonk would score about 50 goals a season in this team, by the way. <laughs> because the, the, the chances to create is just incredible. So it's a bit unfortunate that when Kyle goes injured, that these are the times... When he's taking a spell at the team, you want to see these other guys, and it's just unfortunately they're injured at the same time. Anyway, gone off on a wee tangent there. Cup final. Mm-hmm. One or two nil. Go two nil. Two nil. Fair enough. Aye. No goals conceded so Hassel far. I'll go two nil. Hassel free two nil. I'll <laughs> go Joe Hart and go Ralston, Carter Vickers, Starfelt, Taylor, Beaton, McGregor, Rogic. I'll go Abada on the right, Kyogo through the middle. And Montgomery on the left. You're dropping Turnbull. Very possible, I, yeah. Yeah, I high. think so. I think so. I think I think he'll try. He'll bring Turnbull on. I don't think Turnbull's been his best the last couple of games. I, I, I don't. But no, I agree with that. That's, but I wouldn't drop him. Yeah, that's my prediction. I just think. So, I mean, I'll, as I said before, you throw <laughs> you thrown off shit. It sticks. I'll go with two in a row here, so I'll take it. Um, <laughs> but my score prediction, I would. Go 3-1. I would say 3-1. I think there'll be goals. I think both teams will score. So I'll go a comfy 3-1 for Celtic. Big pitch. Take advantage of it. You know what I mean? Get the way players involved. Get the balls in the box. And as you rightly said, I do think Yakimakis, he has a role in the team when he gets back fit. He's just been plagued by injuries since he's joined Celtic. And I, I quite like Eddie. I thought Eddie played well. I guess better until he got, he got took off. Do you know what I mean? But again, it's a, it's a kind of waiting game to see if he gets another sniff in a Celtic shirt. But guys... This brings us to the end of the podcast. Have you enjoyed this one? As always, superb chat. Absolutely, absolutely. It's always good coming on after a last-minute winner uh, and a <laughs> cup final on the horizon as well. It's all good. This yeah. good, first cup final uh, as a podcast, so we're all good. Cup final That's week, true. indeed. Cup final week. And obviously, I'm not going to lie, I didn't repair a quiz. We had a guest lined up, but unfortunately, technical issues kind of took that out of our hands. I had a different idea for that, so we'll leave the quiz until... Tuesday when we're back on the podcast but what I will say again if you're liking what you're saying subscribe on YouTube hit the bell notify when we go live this is episode 80 fellas of our podcast when we started in February absolutely insane and that's not including the the interviews we've done with ex-footballers who play for Celtic the spin-off shows which Anthony is going to be hosting on soon so that'll be available and we've got guests lined up in the coming weeks coming up to Christmas so there's plenty to look forward to in this podcast and it's been a, a good ride so far hasn't it Definitely. Absolutely. Uh, love absolutely. Love coming on. 
it's uh, it's a nice little, you know, it's just great. We're not up, all we are, we still have our, you know, we're able to go into the pub and whatnot, but you don't get to do it all the time. Just way, you know, life gets in the way. So it's good to have a catch up uh, with you guys uh, once a week or once a fortnight and just discussing this uh, rather magical club that we follow. Yeah, yeah it, does, and, it takes that place, doesn't it? Before we had this, I was going on to forums and arguing with people, and now I just come on and argue with Stephen. And <laughs> 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 then, obviously, as well, guys, we're coming up to the end of the year, so we'll be doing the end of the year show with all six members of the NSL's podcast. So the extravaganza will be back, and it will be fantastic. I'm currently planning it in my mind, so let's hope it comes off the way I want it to. But until next time, we'll speak again. Stay well and keep safe. Hail, hail.